concept of whole building energy consumption. This is a very real cost savings for entrepreneurs. So we've built the largest data set on energy use. That's just one type of energy. What's actually the most efficient way to grow this plant? In a greenhouse, outdoor setting, in a warehouse in Massachusetts. Absolute laser focus on the needs of the cultivator. Welcome to Weed Buds Radio. I am your host, Rye at Rye Cannabis on the Gram, joined today by Matthew. Matt, what's going on, man? We have an awesome podcast coming up for you about RII. Resource Innovation Institute. We have Derek and Gretchen. So this was really fun because we were at MJ BizCon. And you'll remember this, Matt, Diane Russell. She was a retired state lawmaker that joined us for the OK Boomer episode. And she came to MJ BizCon with us. And it was awesome because she was able to really identify with a lot of the things, not just Resource Innovation Institute talked about, but some of the other organizations that we talked to while at at MJ Biz because she sat on many committees and and listened to all sorts of different conversations and topics about uh, sustainability and energy consumption. And that's really where Gretchen and Derek come into play here and why they were at MJ BizCon in Las Vegas uh, because they work with, um, or I I guess they don't work with, they they are the Resource Innovation Institute. Uh, Derek Smith is the executive director. So let's jump right in and have Derek kind of explain what Resource Innovation Institute is and what they're doing for the industry. we, we're a nonprofit. We, we are basically here to be an objective service to the industry uh, and to help governments and utilities and other support systems emerge to help cultivators know what's actually the most efficient way to grow this plant, however and wherever they're growing it. In a greenhouse in Nevada, in a warehouse in Massachusetts, in an outdoor setting in um, Southern Oregon. The reality is there are energy impacts all along the way, no matter how you're doing cultivation, unless you're putting seeds in the ground and literally doing no drying and curing, and you know, or except maybe outside. Everybody's got an electricity impact and probably is, has run a generator here or there. So we're studying all those energy impacts. We'll soon be studying water and waste yep. related to cultivation. Um, and there's basically a huge swing of energy impacts. Um, that can be, you know, very little electricity impact in an outdoor setting. Maybe is just in keeping your moms and clones in a, in a room uh, lit for a while, all the way to a, a really inefficient indoor facility that was essentially taking what used to be done in basements and blowing it up to 50,000 square feet. And so we're studying all that. We're capturing benchmarks um, and helping cultivators connect to resources that can help them be more efficient get support and incentives to buy down the cost of efficient technologies and basically they, they have an opportunity to save roughly 50% of their electric or energy expenses, which is typically the second or third largest expense for an indoor operation behind labor. 
and that's the kind of distinction I wanted to draw as we started talking about percentage of electricity being used by conservation facilities. That's just one type of energy. And so one right. of the major things that I think our guides do is open up for growers the concept of whole building energy consumption and help growers recognize what portion of electricity and of heating is going to basically just wasted energy, which is adding to our environmental impact unnecessarily. And right. so, um, both mission-based people. We've been working on sustainability issues for a long time, and um, we both see the opportunity that cannabis really has the opportunity to lead the world in showing how to do low-carbon agriculture. I mean, how often does an entire industry emerge basically at once and go to scale? Right. And it's going from in, from non-existent to a mature market yep. in less than 10 years. Yeah. And there's an open policy playbook. You know, you love politics. You know, there's no standards. There's no, there's very little data. So we've built the largest data set on energy use in not just cannabis, but really controlled environment agriculture. And through that, we can show the ways to be more efficient, which obviously will help lower costs for producers, which is needed nowadays. But really, again, the big opportunity is, as an industry, we most people in this industry are here to make change, and this is an area where we can make a huge difference. Can you unpack for the average cultivator who is thinking about, like, what are the three, like, top principles that folks should look at when they're evaluating their lighting and their um, cultivation, I'm sorry, their lighting and their HVAC? Yeah. Because there's the environmental side, of course, and the impact there, but also this is a very real cost savings for entrepreneurs who are yeah. trying to find financing. Yeah. So I'll speak to that. I think that even as a small-scale cultivator, I grow residentially. And then speaking to larger cultivators, trying to think about making large capital decisions related to lighting or HVAC, I like to say even before I got into cultivation, the project should pay for itself. And so when taking a look at HVAC decisions and taking a look at lighting decisions, both of these guides are meant to be companions. And the goal is to see how could you get a low payback period by maximizing incentives from the utility, also working with the best people, like setting up a good project team so you get the most information up front and you learn things like, hey, maybe don't dehumidify with unitary dehumidifiers inside your grow rooms, consider a centralized situation which isn't gonna just dump more moisture back into your room. Or things like, growers not trusting LED lighting and not wanting to just make the jump right away. We try to show that there's there's ways that you could kind of uh, take it in stages or hopefully showing them the dollar savings of the real operation costs and that it's not going to affect their yields. So I would say that like the major uh, things that came out of the guide are we're trying to show that LED lighting is going to work for them and it's going to not impact their quality or yield. But it's going to take adjustment, just like any major system change. Right. And then same thing with HVAC, right? You know, you could do things in a more centralized way, which is going to save you operationally in um, quick paybacks, but also will kind of need a little bit of consideration and, and thought. And so that's what these guys are here for, to make it so it's not a no-nothing decision when you're making big capital expenses. The last thing I'll say is life cycle thought. So, like, thinking long-term, having growers think beyond, ah, this first cost is so high. Well, well, how much, what is the incremental cost between what you did and what you're actually probably going to need to do to have a high-performance facility? And then what is the payback in reality um, when you are saving every day? And the last thing, I promise the last thing. So if you make a quick 
quick and dirty decision, you just go solo, right? And you just put some equipment in. And then you have problems. That's lost yield. Right. So instead of having six months of painful learning lessons, if you take a look at the guides, maybe do it right. We're not going to tell you how to do everything right, but consider some best practices. Then maybe you'll actually have six extra months of yield, and therefore you'll have paid for that higher cost of equipment. And let's talk about the guides real quick. So what... The guides are, so there's HVAC for cannabis cultivation and LED lighting for cannabis cultivation best practices guides. Um, They're objective documents that are bringing together the wisdom of cultivators, architects, engineers, contractors, manufacturers, uh, researchers, utilities. We brought everybody around the table uh, over several months with an absolute laser focus on the needs of the cultivator to break through the clutter of all the sales messages here on the floor that are coming at them. And we really put ourselves in the place of that cultivator and and produce something that is the first time any there has been peer-reviewed best practices information on what is really the, the right way to look at technology, to install technology, to operate technology, and um, it's literally the, the first time that that has happened in the history of cannabis, where That's huge. all those actors got together, and it's because there's so much need out there for this knowledge, and the wisdom is there, yep. and, and a lot of cultivators don't uh, may not know a lot of this stuff, but a lot of them do and are hesitant to share. And what we're trying to do is, is help sort of lift the veil of, of secrecy that has been part of the culture of this industry for so long right. and, and have everyone recognize, and they are beginning to recognize, that it's in everybody's interest to have the industry be more efficient. And if we can raise the bar on everybody, we can actually compete on quality and other components that we care about more than just low cost. Right, right. What are the what's the future for solar and other forms of generation? Yeah, so my philosophy on low impact buildings, high performance buildings is that uh, reduce before you produce. So let's figure out how to have the most energy conservation, energy efficient facility. And then once you have that little slice at the top, what do I need to offset? Unfortunately, we can't offset natural gas with solar. So I really do want folks to think about the fossil fuels being used in their facility can't really be offset by your solar. So while it's altruistic, please think about the things like the envelope, the building envelope, the insulation, the air sealing. Don't take an old warehouse and just throw plants and equipment in it and expect to have an operational facility that's going to do good in terms of uh, the environment and also operational cost per pound. And then in terms of production, I think that solar is, is flying high and I think that it's a great opportunity for growers who, for example, are in regions that are challenged by grid capacity issues. Um, some utilities are willing to build the grid out to you because they would like to build load and they want to have some more consistent base load. But in some regions, it's more resilient to be off the grid. And so I think that solar is a great opportunity. I'd also love, love to plug geothermal heat pumps, ground source, um, you know, use this, the earth as a source of energy. Um, 
and then of course biomass and wind. I think it's, I love all renewables and I think they all have a feasibility case in different regions. Like I live in Vermont, we love solar because we're just really progressive and green and obsessed with it, but it's not actually the best return on investment compared to efficiency. So I just wanted to say, I think it takes a mixed bag of all of them and I hope that um, the, t you know, the subsidies for solar and renewables continue to exist and help growers keep facilities off the grid if that's going to make the most sense for their region. Yeah, and for states where it is legal, either for medical purposes or for adult use um, on the commercial side, not not just the residential, though that's also important, um, but the vast amount of, I think, electricity consumption and energy consumption writ large is going to come from the commercial. Um, are resources and rebates applicable? Like, if you have an efficiency agency at a state, do those rebates apply to the to this, these commercial entities? It's a, it's a mixed bag. I mean, and I would say probably the majority of utilities across North America have some form of incentive that is available to this industry. Um, some have many more incentives on more types of technology than others. And the tricky thing is governments are essentially beginning to write codes. And when governments write codes, like Massachusetts, Illinois, and now California is thinking about it, we help all these states understand how to make that regulation, if they're going to choose regulation, how to make sure it works in a way that's supporting the cultivator to actually be more efficient and get support on incentives so that they can meet the regulatory intent while ideally reducing the upfront cost and the operating cost, right? And so when governments write these codes, a lot of times, if this is not done very thoughtfully, a lot of times utilities will think, oh, okay, well now I can't provide incentives because the code just created a new baseline and the, and the utility is supposed to be finding savings below a baseline. But the reality is there is a way to make that happen, but it's only by the efforts of Resource Innovation Institute, working with the states, working with the utilities and connecting all these dots, that those types of incentives are going to be preserved for producers. And so we really are calling on the cultivation community to support our nonprofit effort to make incentives as large and broadly applicable to all forms of efficient technology as possible to support this industry to become more efficient over time. I'll add to that as a designer and implementer of efficiency programs for utility. Um, in Vermont, we support growers of all types, and we're really seeing them as a, a, a customer segment that's been extraordinarily underserved and also deserves a ton of attention because there is a lot of savings. So it's like a win-win. Um, I'd like to say that like custom energy efficiency incentives are always a great opportunity for commercial cultivators because even if there's not a program for what you're doing, if you talk to your utility and say, this is the precondition, this is what I'm gonna do to make it better, and this is what we think is gonna happen at the end, because my consultant says we're gonna reduce pumping power by this much or reduce fan energy by this much, then you can get an incentive. And so being savvy about what's going on in your area, I think getting connected to RII and understanding what policies have been put in place in your state and then what utility that serves you is offering incentives on the electricity side, maybe on the gas side too, right? And then um, maximize your incentive money so that you can reduce your operating costs at a lower first cost. And Vermont's Department of Energy has been consistently like a pioneer on a lot of 
of an efficiency side of things. Yeah, so I work at the Burlington Electric Department as well as uh, work with the Efficiency Vermont folks, and we try to just collaborate really well to have a statewide program. And I just wanted to bring it back to RII. We're some of the founding members of the Utility Working Group. And one of the greatest benefits of that is that the utilities are learning from each other. They're not recreating yeah. the wheel. They're not making decisions maybe based off of personal preference or education on growing. They're learning from each other, and we're learning from much more mature markets. And so we're now actually we've got members in Canada and the U.S., so we're learning from Canada as well. Everyone, oh, go ahead. Well, and I was just going to say that advice to cultivators in working with utilities, um, you know, break through the history of, of not wanting to communicate with your utility. I was just thinking the same thing, um, they were the enemy. They were going to report you. Yeah. <laughs> They're, they're your friend. They actually want to give you incentives to help you buy down efficient technology because they're seeing all this impact on their grid and they need to manage it. You know, right. The way they can manage it is actually be in touch with the customers and Absolutely. know how much energy they're forecasting or, or what they're actually using. Um, so, again, let, let go of the history and Breathe. step into the new world, which is engage with utilities and governments, and you can get support if you do that. And through RII, we will help you do that. And one of the things that uh, I hear you saying in various ways um, is predicated on this understanding that energy or electricity, the grid, has to be in stasis on a physics level at all times. So when you talk about load growth and you talk about um, the unpredictability of some of the renewable sources, that does genuinely have an impact because the electricity companies are required to keep their um, electricity in stasis in their grid. Um, so one last quick question, and I really appreciate your time on this. So there are a lot of folks who are currently in the process of building out their uh, grow rooms and their uh, greenhouses. But for, let's talk about for folks who have already built it out and didn't really understand this. They were sort of the early pioneers. And now they are looking at the costs, as you said, Gretchen, earlier. Uh, and they'd like to do something about it to sort of mitigate those costs. So what's the difference between building out a new show or a new grow room versus uh, retrofitting one, especially with the HVAC and the um, uh, particulates question about that? Yeah, I think the greatest example of that difference. First of all, we tried to address both scenarios in the guides. Great. So if you read it, you should be able to see yourself in this document. And that's really something we work hard to do. So whether you're designing new or you're trying to retrofit, working with maybe a smaller team or a real big one, um, hopefully you'll see yourself in the guide. But one of the major things that came up in the making of the guides and that fact that they're sisters is the LED lighting folks were like, you know, if folks retrofit to LED lighting and keep the same exact HVAC system, they might have some issues. And so that's just something to think about is the retrofit scenario is going to involve more interactive effects. So switching to LED lighting as a grower, you're going to need to think about, well, what was the capacity of my HVAC system? Like, how am I going to handle dehumidification now when the lights are off, lights are on? Like, it really is a think about your sequence of operations for your HVAC now and think about how might it change with LED. Likewise, if you decide to do a, a new HVAC system, maybe moving from unitary dehumidification and then heating and cooling being separate to a centralized system, um, it will likely need for you to think about how your lighting works. So it's sort of like if you do one thing with the left hand, you're going to have to think about the right hand. And so the retrofit scenario just probably involves more documentation of what you're currently doing. Right. Whereas with new, you're kind of documenting the owner's project requirements. How would I like to do this? Do you, for 
ever see a you know a, a quicker break even you know if somebody started new or are there ways to still be efficient in some of these old mill sites and things like that? So I think that with the retrofit scenario, the best way to make it cost effective is to bundle things together. So instead of doing onesie twosie, oh I'm going to retrofit to LED this year, then I'm going to do an HVAC project next year, oh then maybe I'm going to air seal that leaky part of my, you know, like think about a comprehensive approach that's actually going to possibly, just like a new construction project, benefit from the um, economies of scale, the fact that you're staging everything at the same time, you might be able to get the same sort of contractor team to be able to do numerous scopes of work. Um, so I do believe that the retrofit scenario will probably always be a bit more expensive because you've already had operation costs, you've already had some maybe sad lessons learned, maybe crop loss, but new construction can also just be more expensive because you're having to deal with all of the new materials. I like, I like to say the greenest building is the one already built. It's true. Well, Gretchen and Derek, what is the website that people can find your information at? So we're at resourceinnovation.org. If you go to the resources page, you'll find the HVAC uh, and the LED lighting best practices guides, as well as two companion documents that are basically detailed grids of language uh, like PPFD and VPD that you may hear manufacturers and others telling you. Um, but this is literally the first time that these definitions of these terms have been standardized and also listed with how they're often misused in the market or misunderstood in the market. So with the essentially four documents we have on our resources page, the cultivator will have the confidence and the knowledge to go talk with manufacturers and engineers who are trying to support their facility operation to be optimized. Yeah, and in late February, we're hosting a conference called the Indoor Agriculture Energy Solutions Conference uh, in San Diego, where everybody wants to be in February. We're literally bringing together for the first time throughout North America, regulators, policymakers, utilities, the supply chain that is supporting uh, cannabis cultivation, and again, just broadly controlled environment agriculture, right? These vertical urban grows funded by Whole Foods and others. Um, it's the same thing. You're putting plants in buildings, and it's right. new to everybody. So we're bringing everybody together to have rational conversations about how we deal with this and how we set up a policy, regulatory, incentive, education, support system that can that can help everybody navigate through the path forward, which is really what our agriculture future is going to partially be. There's so many reasons why more crops are going to be moving indoors, and we're just here to help all of the cultivators of any plant. Derek and Gretchen, Gretchen and Derek, it's been a, such a pleasure to have you here as someone who really cares about energy policy and sustainability. Thinking the two around cannabis and agriculture is really exciting, and I just want to thank you for your time and look forward to uh, catching up with you in the future, and good luck in San Diego. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Diane, for closing us out. So, Matt, what did you think of Resource Innovation Institute and, and their sustainability convos? I really love when businesses and people find like a niche approach to joining an industry, right? They're not just presenting themselves as cultivators or even working necessarily in that direction. They're focused on the sustainability and the energy consumption and some of the water consumption and things like this that everybody needs and the cultivators need home growers would love to know this stuff and 
they're providing a really valuable service, I think, at a really, really great value. So they're doing really great stuff, and I'm excited to see them scale. I love that you said that because if you head over to resourceinnovation.org and under their resources tabs, they have all of these reports and they mention them a couple times, uh, these guides that they have published published and released at MJ Biz. And they have LED lighting for cannabis cultivation. They have HVAC for cannabis cultivation, key lighting terms, key HVAC terms, cultivating cannabis with LED lighting, what you need to know. They have some great reports. And these two individuals, Derek and Gretchen, they've worked with energy companies. They've worked with cultivators. And so they have all of these resources and they're ready to work. They're they're ready for, for anybody, whether you're just getting started or, or you're a large-scale cultivator. This is a really good place to start when evaluating your lighting needs, your resource needs, just everything making you a good, sustainable business. So super grateful to Gretchen and Derek. Be sure to check them out. Again, resourceinnovation.org. And as always, check out our website, weedbuds.com with a Z or weedbudsradio.com. Until next time, puff, 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 peace. peace.